Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. We have come to a wonderful portion in our life study of Genesis today, and here to help us with it is Gary Kaiser. Welcome back, Gary. Thank you, Matt. Gary, with a casual reading, Genesis appears to be a book of creation with some stories of some of the great men of the Old Testament, but... I think during the course of these life study programs, we've seen much, much more. Begin today, if you would, by giving us briefly the real focus of the book of Genesis. Well, it's really important for the radio listeners to recognize that we're not dealing with a book of history, nor are we dealing with a scientific record. We're dealing with a book of revelation. Revelation is given to us with signs, with types, and with prophecies. So when we read the Bible, we're not reading it as a book of history, but we're reading it as a book that reveals God. It is God's self-revelation for us to enter into and become a participant in that revelation by his grace and his mercy. Amen. So the life studies— help us recognize, in this case, that the book of Genesis focuses on God's eternal purpose. God has a purpose, and it is unveiled in the revelation in Genesis. But it not only reveals the eternal purpose of God, but it reveals the way. For example, the eternal purpose of God we see in chapter 1, where the whole of creation comes to the pinnacle of God's purpose in the creation of man, in the image and the likeness of God, indicating that man is created with a capacity and the intention that he would express God. He would be the image of God. He would express what God is in a created form. But then in chapter 2, we're brought to the means by which this can be accomplished, and that is that this newly formed man is introduced to the tree of life, indicating that God's intention is that life out from God himself, or we can say God as life, needs to be taken in by man in the way of eating, that is, in the way of receiving digesting, enjoying the rich supply that is God himself. So we, with these life studies, are being helped to recognize what it is God is doing and the means by which he's accomplishing it. Very good. Thanks, Gary. In chapter 24 today, we have another story that unveils many of the details in God's purpose 
And I'm really looking forward to it. Me too. Let's join Witness Lee. I would call your attention back to the beginning on the studies of Genesis. From the very beginning, we have pointed out that uh, chapter 1 shows us God's eternal purpose. Then, in chapter 2, we are told that to fulfill God's eternal purpose, it needs the tree of life. We all have to remember in those two chapters, you have two crucial words. Number one, the image. Number two, life. Image reveals God's eternal purpose. And life shows the way to fulfill God's purpose. Never consider Genesis is merely a record of God's creation and the history of some patriarchs. It is altogether a revelation of God's eternal purpose with the way to fulfill it. Based upon these two points, now we come to Genesis 24. For what purpose? Genesis 24 gives us such a record of Isaac's marriage. You can see the purpose, right? Chapter 21, verse 12 says, Only in Isaac shall be thy seed. God called Abraham with a purpose, right? And in that purpose, or for that purpose, God promised Abraham that he would give Abraham the gold land. And for Abraham and his seed to inherit the gold land, God would give him the seed. And the land and the seed are the things that God could use to fulfill his purpose. God's purpose is to express himself in a corporate way. For this expression, corporate expression, surely God needs the people. And the seed of Abraham is just the people. And for the people to express God in a corporate way, there's the need of a land. So you need the seed with the land for the fulfillment of God's purpose. Now, chapter 24 does give us record of marriage, but we have to find out what is the purpose for this marriage. Without a marriage, how could Isaac bring forth the seed? In Isaac shall be thy seed. Surely for this single man to have the seed for the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose, there is the need of a marriage. So we all have to see that this marriage is not a common marriage. This marriage is for the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose. Gary, we've seen several times in our life study of Genesis the matter of the seed that was promised to Abraham. 
Here in chapter 24, a chapter that covers in some detail the marriage of Isaac, the matter of the seed is here again. What's the significance of this seed and in this marriage context? I think it's important that we realize that the marriage here is not simply a description of a happy event took place, Isaac got his wife, and everything was now fulfilled like it ought to be. No, there's a purpose. God has a purpose. His purpose is his economy. He wants to work something out. And we've seen that his purpose is to produce a people who are one with him in a corporate way, and that the way in which this people is produced is as a seed, that is, a life matter. There is something produced. Here, of course, you have a single man, as was pointed out. He cannot produce this without a counterpart, without a companion, without a wife. So we're told now how that wife is obtained. And it's important for us to realize that this wife is not out of the people around them. This wife is not a common wife. This wife has a source, another source. And we need to see that that source is produced by God's sovereignty. God leads Abraham. But his way of leading Abraham is not necessarily according to what we would expect. Very good. Thanks, Gary. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Abraham was moving in accordance with God's economy. What he did was not just to get a wife for his son, but to fulfill God's eternal purpose. Here in the 67 verses of this chapter, there's one verse that says Abraham's oldest servant told Laban and his folks that Abraham walked before God. Have you noticed that verse? Verse 40, and he said unto me, the Lord before whom I have walked. Abraham told his oldest servant, the Lord was the one before whom he has walked. He was a person walking in the presence of the Lord. Not praying for knowing the will of God. Not fasting for seeking God's will. But walking in the presence of the Lord. So whatever he did, that was God's will. That was not only God's will, that was something in accordance with God's economy. Abraham was working before God. Whatever he did was something motivated by God. So, he charged his servant with the Lord. This is quite meaningful. Abraham didn't tell the old servant, that he had to be faithful, he had to be honest, he had to do a good work, and so forth. He only charged his servant 
to share by the Lord. Here is an atmosphere in which Abraham lived. Abraham lived in an atmosphere that was the Lord himself. He charged his servant not with anything else but just with the Lord himself. Surely his charging has brought his servant deep in the Lord. He told the servant, I trust in God who will send his angel before you. You don't need to worry about it. You don't need to bear the burden. You just go to do the job. My God will send his angel before you to do the job for you. What a life. Abraham only charged his servant to share by the Lord and assure him that his God will send the angel before the servant to do something for the servant. That's all. Isn't this a kind of faith? The living faith. Right. That believed in the living God. Amen. I sent you to do the job, but I believe my God will send his servant before you. You just go in peace. You don't need to bear the burden. He will send the angel to do the thing for you. And God did it. Gary, this is a short point, but I I was really impressed with it. By this time in his life, Abraham had advanced so much that his living was in a realm that was just God himself. Would you comment on the way that Abraham charged his servant, bringing him into the same realm? It's marvelous that this servant of Jehovah, Abraham, was able to charge his servant in such a way that that servant became a part of Jehovah's leading. That is, he was simply following the same pattern as he saw in his master. Amen. So the old servant came to the house of Laban, and he explained to them the charge that Abraham had given him, that he would go to Abraham's family, take a wife from among them, And he would not take a wife from among the daughters of the Canaanites. So he said, I said to my master, maybe the woman won't come with me. And then this verse that was read, Abraham responded to him by saying, Jehovah, before whom I walk, will send his angel with you and make your journey prosperous. It's a marvelous statement. And the servant took it absolutely. So the central point concerning the way that Abraham is walking with God is that he lived with God. He walked before God. He had a complete faith and assurance in the leading of Jehovah for the obtaining of the seed that God had promised. He believed God would provide. There was no doubt in his mind this would happen, just as it was when he went to offer Isaac on the mountain. He believed God would supply, though he didn't understand how. He just believed God would supply. So here he charges his servant, just go 
and Jehovah will make your journey prosperous. You just, you just go because the God before whom I walk will send his angel before you and arrange. So when the servant came to that place, he had seen God's hand with his master, and he realized how his master lived. So he then followed that pattern. He came to that place, and he said, well, Jehovah, here I am at this spring, and what I expect is if you send a a girl here who will offer me a drink and offer my flocks a drink, that's the one. And that happened with Rebecca coming. So he was just following how he saw his master live to carry out God's purpose. He didn't know how. He just knew to walk before God in faith. Wonderful. Thanks, Gary. Let's join Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study. Now we come to the old servant. First of all, he was faithful. He was faithful. He followed the footsteps of Abraham. Abraham did everything by trusting in the Lord. So this servant also trusted in the Lord. When he came to the city of Nehar, and he saw the well, he prayed something like this, O Lord, whosoever will come out, and to whom I would say, give me some water drink. And if she would give me, and she would also say, I would give water to camels. This one will be the wife of my master's son. Right after he finished his prayer, uh-huh, a younger coming. And she got some water. And that younger said, okay, drink. Feel free to drink. Not only so, I will give the water to your camels. To drink all the camels. Right away, that old servant was Jeremiah. This is the one. This is the one, so hot. So he picked out the ring <laughs> and the bracelet and gave to her. He was clear. He was so simple. Anyone that trusts in the Lord is always simple. Now, Rebecca. How about Rebecca? First of all, she was chaste, pure, and clean. And she was diligent. When she was asked by the old servant for a drink, right away, she gave. And she gave something, and she did something which the servant didn't ask. And the servant reserved that with a purpose, to see God's will. Lastly, she was submissive. When she saw a man coming, riding on a camel, before she asked, she <laughs> lighted herself from the camel and asked, who is this man? Then she was told that was Isaac. Right away, she veiled herself. She was very submissive. Then we come to Laban and his father, Bethel. 
they were in fear of the Lord. And they were also hospitable. Very, very hospitable. You see, that wonderful marriage in human history was brought in by their kind hospitality. Hospitality in the Bible means a lot in God's blessing. Then they accepted the Lord's sovereignty. You see the atmosphere of a kind of life in oneness with God. Then Isaac. I surely like Isaac. Isaac was not a man of activity. You see, he didn't do anything. He was dwelling in a place of the living water. Now he came back to a place where he went to the field for meditation. No doubt, he was meditating in the presence of the Lord. And I do believe he was considering something concerning his marriage. These days, while he was meditating there, Rebecca came. It's quite meaningful. Then they became one. Here in this chapter, you have a solid, real marriage. It was through all these people living such a life that God's purpose was fulfilled. Because through these, Christ was brought in. And through these, the kingdom of God was produced and established in this whole universe. You can see their living was not something just for their human life, but something for the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose to bring forth Christ and to produce the kingdom of God for God's eternal economy. Well, Gary, in this last portion, we see a very pleasant picture. Several different people are involved in the obtaining of this bride for Isaac, and there are some common traits in all these ones and their respective service that affords God a real opportunity to advance his purpose. Could you say something about what we see in all these ones? Well, if we begin with Abraham, we see that he was a person who lived in oneness with God. It doesn't appear that God instructed Abraham about how to obtain a wife for Isaac. It's simply something that Abraham recognized as being according to God's purpose, that God would not take a wife for Isaac from among the Canaanite women, but he wanted the source to be a different source from those around him. So Abraham simply acted according to that oneness with God, not according to a direct instruction. Then a second thing is that he moved in accordance with God's economy. He realized there must be a seed produced, and that seed was in Isaac. So he realized he needed to have a bride. He knew this was the necessity. So he simply carried out God's economy according to the leading of God, but 
not by asking, praying, meditating on what to do, simply acting according to what he knew of God through intimate fellowship with God through the years. His will was in harmony with God. His heart was in harmony with God. He wanted what God wanted. Amen. Then Eliezer, as we've already touched, was faithful in his responsibility, being infused with Abraham's life and way. He just followed according to the pattern that was given to him by Abraham and the charge that he would go in faith expecting God would provide the direction. And when he did that, God immediately provided, even when he was just finishing his prayer, here came Rebecca. Amen. It was really quite marvelous. He was trusting the Lord to carry out his responsibility, and he was looking for the Lord's leading in the environment itself. Then Rebecca, a girl we all could like, she was chaste, she was kind, she was diligent, she was absolute. When the servant said he wanted to go and take her back to Isaac, the parents wanted to wait a while. And the brother, uh, you know, let's give it some time here. But then when the servant said, we need to go, they asked her, and she said, I'm going. There wasn't any hesitation on her part. She was absolute in her way. And then was pointed out she was submissive, veiling herself when it came to meeting Isaac in the way. Then Laban and Bethuel were so proper with the fear of God, they just said, Jehovah has spoken. What can we say? We can't say anything else. Here she is. Take her. They were very proper in their recognition of God's leading, and they were also given to hospitality. Then Isaac going into the field to meditate, to pray, to worship God, to spend time with God. What a pattern. What a beautiful scene. He was not anxious, but he was waiting for God to provide the wife. And he, when the wife came, he received her in all simplicity. She was from the Father's hand. He received her, and he wed her. It's a marvelous picture, as you said. Well, marriage is a topic that's been so tainted and tarnished by the effect of the world and our culture. It's really refreshing to get this kind of a view, an uplifted view of a marriage that is in and for God's purpose. Amen. Thank you, Gary, for helping us today. It's good to be with you, brother. Call our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. On behalf of Gary Kaiser, I'm Matt Miller. Thanks for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, 
lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.